Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Energy Central Power Perspectives podcast. This is the show that brings leading minds to discuss the latest challenges and trends transforming and modernizing the energy systems and the utility industry of the future. And a quick thank you to Wes Monroe, our sponsor for today's show. Now, let's talk energy. I'm your host, Jason Price, Energy Central podcast host and director with West Monroe, coming to you from New York City. With me, as always, from Orlando, Florida, is Energy Central producer and community manager, Matt Chester. Matt, today we're looking at the role of the utility in the electric vehicle transformation. In particular, we are going up to the state of Michigan, home of America's auto industry, to hear what Consumers Energy, a major power producer and distributor of energy, is doing to prepare the grid for this transformation. What is interesting is that consumers has pledged to support 1 million EVs on the road by the end of the decade. Matt, would you like to set the stage for us on the size of this market? Happy to, Jason. So while the the Michigan statewide goal is to have 2 million EVs on the road by 2030, within their service area, Consumers Energy has about three to four million cars. And as you stated, they're pledging to power 1 million EVs by the end of the decade. Roughly that translates to 120,000 EVs to be sold each year for eight years straight within their service area. That's about 340 cars per day across the state. So we take pause at these daunting numbers, right? Yeah, those are big numbers. So while demand grows, all these vehicles need to be powered. The big utilities in Michigan, that's Consumers Energy and DTE, must meet much of this demand. We're lucky to have with us today an insider at Consumers Energy leading the EV transformation. She has helped mastermind the EV programs for customers in the last couple of years, providing rebates for charges at homes, businesses, and along busy roads, plus providing hands-on service for businesses that plan to electrify their vehicle fleets. All of this helps meet the ambitious goal of powering 1 million EVs by end of the decade. With us from Consumers Energy is Lauren Youngdahl-Snyder, Vice President of Customer Experience. Youngdahl-Snyder's family actually has deep ties to Consumers Energy. Her grandfather was an executive vice president for the company. And given her inherent historical perspective, she knows EVs are a perfect example of Consumer Energy's shift from a service provider to a trusted partner as customers make energy decisions to manage their cost and protect the planet. We're eager to dig into what Consumers Energy is doing to prepare for the shift, including what other utilities across the country can learn from these efforts. So let's bring her in, Lauren Youngdahl-Snyder. Welcome to today's episode of Energy Central Power Perspectives Podcast. Hi, Jason. I'm so glad to be here with you today. As are we. Lauren, tell us more about your role at Consumers Energy and how has the customer changed over time? So my role at Consumers Energy is the Vice President of Customer Experience. So I have responsibility for all of our customer programs. So think energy efficiency, renewable energy, electric vehicles, which is the topic for today, and also including building new capabilities so that we can go to market with these customer programs, including marketing, experience, design, sales. Yes, we are building a sales capability and economic development. So my team is really hyper-focused on how we can engage with customers 
so that we can ultimately achieve our clean energy aspirations. We have put bold ambitions out there, not only with EVs, but in uh, within our whole clean energy programs. We intend to be coal free net zero by 2025. And about 22% of that plan calls for customers to participate in our programs. And so my team is on a mission to ensure that we get customers enrolled and excited about being on this clean energy transformation. As the customer continues to evolve, we now have the electric vehicle. How do you envision the overall customer experience evolving given EVs and what are you doing to prepare for this? So EVs is a perfect opportunity for us to help the customer really connect to this whole clean energy transformation that we're embarking on. So imagine this, you purchase your electric vehicle and the next phone call that you make is to consumers energy. And we help you get everything set up. It's a seamless one-stop shop type of service where we help you select the right charger. We help you get that charger installed. We rebate that charger for you so that it's essentially not even that much cost for you out of you know, to hit your pocketbook. We get you on the right rate. And then we help connect you to other program offerings that can help really step you into creating a, a smart home. So I envision Consumers Energy really helping be an accelerant to you wanting to purchase an electric vehicle and helping ensure that when you do purchase that electric vehicle, it's a really seamless experience. Sounds like it's nicely evolving. So Consumers Energy has created a couple of programs to help speed up the EV adoption. Can, can you share for us some of these that are already in the market for your customers? And what impact do you think you're having when it comes to electric vehicles across the state? You bet. You know, electric vehicles is not new territory for us. We have been working on program offerings and have had program offerings uh, for the last at least three years. And so I want to talk to you about two existing programs that we have. One is called Power My Drive and the other is called Power My Fleet. Power My Drive is our first program. It launched in 2018 and provides rebates for home charging and public chargers. So imagine this, you are one of the early adopters and you've, you know, you've got your EV and you've installed your charger. We will help you offset a much of that cost of the charger through our rebates. And to date, we've awarded over 1,500 rebates. And it's not just residential, right? Public chargers too. So think about the state of Michigan. We worked really closely with Michigan State University and the state to really try and understand where across our territory we would expect to see adoption happen faster than other parts and where in the corridors, the highway corridors, we would wanna have the proper infrastructure ready to support our customers traveling across the state. And so we've been very deliberate about ensuring that we have level two chargers and DC fast chargers set up in those locations so that today, if you are in the state of Michigan, you can drive from Bronson, Michigan. So if you had your hand up, right, typical Michigander, hand up, uh, you would show, you can, that's the very southern part of our state, all the way up to Mackinac City, which is at the very northern tip. You can travel knowing that there are charging stations along the way that we have made sure are there so that you can confidently hit the road and not worry about range anxiety. So that's Power My Drive. Power My Fleet launched last year. And this is all around helping ensure that businesses who have fleets, and it could be you've got two delivery vans or you've got a whole host of vehicles, 
really helping them determine what and how to electrify in addition to helping provide rebates for those charging stations. And this one, this program is going gangbusters. We anticipated having around maybe 25 companies raise their hand and say, we want to work with you to help understand. It's essentially we're offering like a concierge service. We surpassed that like three weeks into the program. And we have a wait list now of up to 50 different companies and it's growing every day. And so, you know, we always say like, our EV is going to come to real fruition. Like, is it really, is the time now? I think this is another signpost that tells us confidently that, oh yeah, it's not if, it's when. It's great to learn about the accelerated adoption going on across the state. So Lauren, whenever we have guests on, we always ask the question about the equitable aspects of the programs that are being unfolded. So can you share with us how are these programs being equitable for people across the state? You bet. This is very top of mind for us. And this is always a key lens that we look through when we're developing our program offerings, whether it's in EVs or any offering that we have to our customers. So I would say the biggest equity role with EVs is encouraging people to charge when there's extra energy on the grid. That is the off-peak hours at night or on the weekends. When people charge off-peak, it adds usage to the grid without requiring big cost investments because the extra energy is already available. So that means benefits without costs, uh, which puts downward pressure on every utility customer's bill, whether they own an EV or not. And I think that's a really important message that everyone needs to hear is that this really is an opportunity us for to really lower downward pressure on or put downward pressure on utility bills, like you're, the bill that you get. So it's not just if you own an EV, you're the beneficiary of, of the rates. It collectively helps all of our customers. More directly, we are working to ensure that our public chargers are spread out geographically across our territory. Um, it's not just a first come first serve. We wanna make sure that anyone has access to a public charger if they need it. And our fleet program supports public transit fleets. So think city buses, think smaller transport vehicles, think school buses. In this way, all customers can benefit from vehicle electrification, even if they don't personally own an EV. And, you know, really looking ahead, we're eager to do more to promote equity. For example, we're looking into how we can do this, but that would provide overnight charging at charging centers in public areas for people who aren't able to charge at home. So it's definitely top of mind for us. I think we've made some good strides to date, but there's a lot more work to do and we're excited to kind of, you know, crack that nut so everyone can see the value and feels a part of this transition into electric vehicles. Yes, this is certainly a challenge across the country. Tell us now, how are these programs progressing? And in general, what can be done? And what can Governor Whitmer and the regulators in your state do more or less of to help hasten what you feel is necessary? I think that collectively as a state, we're doing all the right things. I think the fact that we have a new goal for the state is a great signal uh, to our residents and to the nation that we are taking this adoption of EVs and ensuring acceleration of EVs very seriously. And I think the regulators too, the fact that we, this is not new territory, right? Like this is, we, we have had program offerings and we're looking to evolve those. And our commission has been very supportive of that. So I think we're doing all the right things. And what I really appreciate is this, 
you know, this desire to be bold in this space. We are the auto capital of the world after all, right? Like let's, let's prove it. And, you know, when we came to our senior leadership team last year and made the case for why we thought 1 million vehicles was the right ambition, it was hands down, like go forth and figure it out. And I think it would have been easy for us to come and say, we think that by 2030, based on all the data, we could see 300,000 cars on the road, right? Like that's very like palatable, like, okay, yeah, sure, get it. But with all the signposts that have been coming through with the, all of the automakers having big ambitions and with policy changes coming and with even battery technology, if you think about it, the new Tesla battery pack takes seven minutes to charge. That is way less time it takes me to go fill up my gas tank, right? And so like, and it's only going to get faster, right? So I think that all of these signposts and all the headlines that hit, even just last year, were pretty telling to say that we're going to see adoption come faster than we could have ever imagined. And I think for our company to be bold and say, you know, we'll do all that we can to accelerate the adoption of 1 million in our service territory really is a great forcing function for us to think about where in the value chain of EVs can consumers energy or utility play? Uh, we do not want to be the constraint. And so, you know, thinking of it through, through that approach of what has to be true to get a million is really forcing us to think about different program offerings. So this whole idea of what I, I think good looks like in the future of being your one-stop shop resource I don't know if we would have thought of that if we weren't pushing ourselves to be really bold in this space. So I think that our governor and our regulators and the key stakeholders, the autos here in Michigan, we are really coming together in a collaborative way to make this EV adoption something that, you know, we'll look back on and say, look at, look at all the goodness that came from that. You mentioned constraints. I want to pull on that thread uh, a little bit. You know, one of the big concerns is that uh, we always are being asked or, or being questioning about the grid itself. Is the grid ready for all this? You know, this this is a question that really applies, especially to fleet owners in terms of, you know, making that commitment and that investment. So how do you address this incredibly important question that customers, fleet customers have? Yeah, this is a question that comes up often. And I think, you know, if all 1 million vehicles showed up on the grid today, yes, we would have a problem. But that's not reality and that wouldn't happen. And so we know that this will be a phased approach. And by learning and updating our models in real time, which is what we do as a business, we will be able to identify any potential hot spots and require upgrades so that we can be proactive and not be the bottleneck in this transition. That's another key thing. You know, we will not be the constraint. And that's just exactly what the grid was built to do forecast and respond to energy demand appropriately. And, and we did it, you know, I like to always think back, you know, air conditioning build out in the 60s and 70s, we did it then, and we're ready to do it again with EVs. We're, we're experts in this space of ensuring that we've got proper infrastructure ready to support our customers. That's interesting, the, the parallel to air conditioners. So, I mean, I imagine the answer is no, you didn't have a, a demand charge or a time of use rate for air conditioners, but are you deploying some kind of a model for electric vehicles? We are. What I think is great about electric vehicles is that we offer incentives for the rate that you're on to charge appropriately or to help charge at times that come and help us from a load perspective. So we have two options in place. 
One is our nighttime savers rate. This has three time periods. So think on peak, off peak, and super off peak, which is the middle of the night. <laughs> and that's when we have the cheapest energy. And for people on this rate, it's a way to motivate them to charge when the grid is least used, which is a win. Uh, we also have launched our bring your own charger program last year, which is a part of the power of my drive program that I spoke about earlier. And for that program, you can enroll in whatever charger you want. And for every month you charge off peak, we'll put a credit on your bill to the tune of $10, $10 each month. And then the other thing to note is that cars and sometimes chargers make this really easy to do. You can set it up so that your car doesn't start to charge until a certain time or even for more sophisticated schedules. You know, that's what I have. I drive an electric vehicle and that's exactly what I do. It's my car knows when to charge. I take advantage of the super off peak rate. So that's how we're thinking about this. I want to go back to your role. You know, you are basically the face of the company to the customer. And in that sense, you know, how has your role changed in interacting with customers? And do you see this changing your relationship even further and the perception of the of the customer to its utility? And do you think that they'll have a deeper connection to consumers' energy with this type of uh, relationship changing? Just could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, of course. And I, you know, to answer the last question there, yes, I do. I do believe this will deepen the relationship that we have with customers and really showcase the value that the utility bring. So I've been with Consumers Energy my entire career, which will be 18 years here coming up this summer, which is just crazy. It's flown by. And I can remember the early days in my career where we called customers rate payers. They were rate payers. <laughs> and not top of mind, not key in how we thought or made decisions. They were rate payers. So I've watched this kind of change in the way that consumers energy thinks about customers. And through my whole career, I've had several different roles, which has given me great perspective of the company and, and how we do what we do. But the common theme has always been customer. And I will say the minute that we decided to embark on this clean energy transformation, we made a decision to really focus in on customers. Customers have become an, an imperative key stakeholder in making sure that we can deliver on those large aspirations of, of closing out all of our coal fleet, right? And the reason why is if customers aren't participating in programs and aren't a part of this journey, we can't be successful in those aspirations. And we know customers want a cleaner, more sustainable energy future. So it's a collective best interest. And so I would say this today, think about it. Do you think about your utility? Probably not. I don't, as a customer myself, I do not really think about my utility. And when I do think about my utility, it's because there's an issue, right? The power is out. The bill is wrong. You know, the crews were in my front yard and they messed up my yard, right? Like it's a very defect-driven experience. And so what Consumers Energy and, and my team and I are trying to do is change that narrative of think of us, number one, start thinking of us. And when you do think of us, you have had tremendously great experiences, right? Like we have delighted you. Yes, I, like we use the word delight, enjoy, like through these key touch points with the company, you know, outage, billing, move in, move out, field experiences, so that you really have a strong degree of trust and are willing to participate in programs that are inside your home, right? To date, consumers' energy and all utilities 
are to the pull or to the meter, right? And so now we're asking to come into the home so that we can offer you energy efficient solutions. Yes, we want you to use less of our product. That's how we're gonna ultimately attain these aspirations of a clean energy net zero, right? Allow us to put a smart thermostat inside your home, you know, to send signals during those peak summer days when everyone's firing up their air conditioning units and we need to dial them down to ensure that we have, you know, we're levelizing load. And to this point, allow us to come into your garage or into your workplace to help ensure that you've got what you need, the proper infrastructure in place and the proper rates so that you can feel really confident driving that electric vehicle. And so I have watched our company go from thinking of customers as rate payers to really thinking about it through the triple bottom line, people, planet, and prosperity, and knowing that we have to really serve customers well in their core experiences so that they will engage with us in more of a partnership, participating in programs way so that collectively we can have a more sustainable energy future. Thank you, Lauren. So let's look to the future. What's around the corner? What are you doing and what are you thinking about consumers energy for your customers, whether it's the EV driver or your customers in general? Oh, geez. Where do I begin? All right. So for EVs in particular, I would say we want to be that partner in the home, right? We want to help support workplace and campus charging. We want to be able to partner with OEMs and really help accelerate getting more EVs in homes and at workplaces. How can we partner together at the point of sale, right? What about school buses? That's a big play too, especially think about equity and then other public transport. And so I want to have a plan for that. And uh, commercial and light duty, continuing to accelerate that. And then of course, our public charging infrastructure expansion. Those are kind of the key things on our mind of the areas that we feel we can add the most value from an EV standpoint. The other piece I would say is around renewables. Renewables is here and it's coming. And you know we offer several different programs so for residential customers, we have what we call our solar gardens program, which is community solar. You can sign up for certain blocks of energy and you receive a credit for the energy generated. And it's, it's hugely successful. Like we have tremendous demand from that. To date, we've got around 96% subscribed from residential customers. We also have a low income play that went live in June of 2021. And it really was a designed as a means for income qualified customers within our territory to participate in community solar at no cost to them. And that's where we work with nonprofit agencies to help offset those costs. And then for, you know, where we're seeing the greatest demand is coming from large CNI customers. And so we have a program offering today that again, demand is outpacing supply. It's our large customer renewable program. And this allows customers to subscribe to wind or solar facilities, and they get a credit for the energy and capacity value of the resource. So we've got wind, we've got solar, and we have a lot of customers who are very interested in being a part of that. So we're thinking through too, like what else has to be true? What other offerings for both the residential and CNI perspective do we need to make sure uh, we have? Because we want to be the first person, first company you think of when you think about wanting renewables, right? We want to be your trusted advisor to do that and the first place you go to. And so we're working to ensure we've got offerings to meet your needs in that space. Energy efficiency is also really important to us. We've been in that business for over 13 years and we continue. I mean, that that's from doing home energy assessments 
to receiving home energy reports that tell you, you know, how you're doing and different ways to save. That's LED light bulbs. And we're really starting to lean more into gas energy efficiency too. Given our ambitions in our, on the gas side of our business, you know, how do we, again, ensure that we're offering programs such as furnace programs, window sealing, boiler cleanup, smart thermostats, et cetera, to ensure that customers are using less energy, because that's the biggest way to make a difference when we talk about this clean energy transformation is to use less energy. And then the next piece is to step into this kind of smart thermostat offering that we have that's also been a great success as well, where we've partnered with many of the, the smart thermostat manufacturers and are able to dial down your thermostat during peak events, peak hot summer days. You're incented to do it. You don't notice a difference now that we're all working from home. And I'm, I participated in as many programs as I possibly can to make sure I'm, I'm living the, the, the customer experience and you do not notice a difference in the temperature of your home. And so things like that, things that are very easy for customers to step into because, you know, we hear from them that they want to be a part of this transition. So how do we make sure that it's easy for them to step into these programs and be a part of this clean energy transformations? That sounds exciting, and I can hear the passion in what you're describing. And certainly, Consumers Energy is very much a mission-driven company. We did have your CEO, Garrick Rochelle, and he shared with us the mission-driven mantra of Consumers Energy. So it's definitely coming out even in, in what you're describing to us. You know, Lauren, now is the time where we get to throw you a handful of questions. We call this the lightning round. It's an opportunity for our audience to get a peek into who you are, and I think they got a good taste of that just in hearing the, the work you're doing. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions and each one calls for either one word or phrase. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. All right. What's your go-to snack food? Oh my God. I love those Dots pretzels. Do you know what I'm talking about? I Dots do. pretzels? Oh, I, I could I eat do. those for days. Particularly the honey mustard one. Ooh, I've not tried that. Okay. Dream vacation spot. My family and I love to ski and... Our favorite place is Colorado. Any place in Colorado to ski, that's my dream vacation spot. Go blue or go green? Go green all day. I've got three degrees from Michigan State. And I played on the golf team, so I have an extra special affinity to the university. There you go. Who were your role models growing up? Well, I love that you mentioned it earlier. My grandfather, a big role model in my life. I never in a million years thought that I would end up working at the same company that that he did. I mean, our paths clearly did not cross. He <laughs> retired well before I, I joined the company. And I remember him giving me advice of, it's a good company. It's a really good company. And I think I just admired his commitment to his family and to his community and to his company. And we would always leave the conversations that we had of him saying, now you take care of our company. So my grandfather. And what are you most optimistic about? I am most optimistic about where consumers energy is headed and the utility industry, quite frankly. I mean, we are really at a pivot point authoring this next stage of what the energy industry looks like. I mean, who would have thought we would be talking about retiring coal fleets and moving to all sustainable resources? I can promise you in the conversations with my grandfather, it was not in their purview, Right. And we're doing it for all the right reasons. I mean, this play of people, planet, prosperity, and really creating a clean future for generations to come is really exciting. And then personally, in two weeks from today, 
I will be having my fourth child, a baby boy. I'm just so excited about that. Like, just can't wait to meet this little guy and and uh, become a family of six. Wow, congratulations. I'm impressed by the energy that you have. All right, so nice job with the lightning round. We wanna give you the final word. So what key lessons can you hope to instill on the utility audience listening today? What would you like them to take away from this conversation? There is incredible energy and empowerment found in being bold. And when you put your stake out there for something that seems just kind of, you've got to be kidding, a million vehicles in the service territory and before the end of the decade, how in the world are we going to get there? Just the forcing function that that creates for you and your team to think of new and different ways to achieve a breakthrough outcome. It's going to push you into areas that I promise you, you wouldn't have pushed yourself into in the absence of that. And I also think it's important that the utility audience knows just how important this clean energy transformation is for consumers' energy. Uh, it's our top priority, and we're on a mission to lead the charge there. So, Terrific, Lauren. Really appreciate your thoughts and sharing it with us today. No doubt this is an area that Energy Central and the podcast audience will continue to focus on. So hopefully we can keep you engaging on this, and certainly we'd love to have you back sometime in the future. But for now... Thanks so much for your insight, and we look forward to you and our community members keeping these conversations going at energycentral.com. Thank you so much. It was great to be with you today. For sure. You can always reach Lauren through the Energy Central platform, where she welcomes your questions and comments. We also want to give a shout out of thanks to the podcast sponsor that made today's episode possible. Thanks to West Monroe. West Monroe works with the nation's largest electric, gas, and water utilities, in their telecommunication, grid modernization, and digital and workforce transformations. West Monroe brings a multidisciplinary team that blends utility, operations, and technology expertise to address modernizing aging infrastructure, advisory on transportation electrification, ADMS deployments, data and analytics, and cybersecurity. And once again, I'm your host, Jason Price. Plug in and stay fully charged in the discussion by hopping into the community at energycentral.com. And we'll see you next time at the Energy Central Power Perspectives podcast. <music>